Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at lifechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. How are we all doing? I'm going to put my orange down on the table and keep you in suspense. The shapers among you are desperate to know why I have an orange, and I won't tell you yet. Mmm. Beautiful. So we good this morning? Yes? Anyone fair to middling? Anyone need some prayer after the service? Good. Come get some prayer after the service if you need it. Uh, We are going to be carrying on our tent, table, temple series. Everyone say tent. Table. Temple. Where are we right now? Oh, we've got some mixed answers there. I'll let you have a little think. Where are we right now? Oh, it was a trick question. See, we're in the forum, but we are the temple. See what I did there? Okay, maybe that was a theological point that needs to get hammered home by Jonathan on another week, but that's okay. We're going to keep focusing on the tent this morning, um, specifically looking at Scripture. You know, this tent, table, temple series that we're doing is all about us building a framework for our discipleship to Jesus. And uh, discipleship is a beautiful subject. I love thinking about it, love talking about it. I'm going to tell you a story. The day that Alice said to me, uh, we, were ha- we were expecting our first child, and, and Alice said to me one day, I, um, I can book my scan now to see what gender the baby's going to be. And I had two reactions. My first reaction was, woohoo! Um, my second reaction was, oh goodness. I've been longing to have a child since I was about 16, and like really looking forward to the day when I would have my kid that would be my child to raise. And it occurred to me that age 30-ish, I'd only ever thought that it might be a girl. And suddenly, I realized that there was a 50-50 chance that it was going to be a girl or a boy. And I had a sudden little crisis internally because I had processed what I thought it would be like to have a little girl, but I had never contemplated what it would be like to raise a boy. And uh, I shared with Alice, my little wobbly, and she said, well, what's, what's, what's the deal? You're going to be a great dad. And I said, well, thank you for the vote of confidence. But a girl, I feel like I'm going to raise up and love her, instill the values in her that she is of incredible worth and should be treated well. And I'm going to love her and treat her really nicely like I treat you, Alice, and then, you know, I, I feel like that's, that's what I can contribute there. Uh, but a son is going to be raised in my image. He's got to be a man. I've got to take him from boy to man. And uh, that feels a bit scary. And uh, lo and behold, Arthur came along. Arthur is a boy's name. Arthur is a boy, very much so. And uh, It's been a beautiful journey just realizing what it is to raise a young man in my image and and to have a little disciple that I'm like, come, let me show you 
the way of what it is to be a man, not claiming to be, you know, the finished product, but we're on this journey together. It's a, it's a picture of discipleship. It's a picture of discipleship. You know, when Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection, he did the most beautiful thing. And it was not just to rescue us from a place of danger and put us on a fluffy cloud. Am I speaking to anyone here? That is not the point of the gospel. The life that he lived, the death that he died, and his resurrection life afterwards is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's more like us being cured from being zombies. Very silent now. Jesus' death and resurrection was, that we could li- was so that we could live fullness of life. And what is fullness of life? It's going back to the original design that God intended to image him and to walk with him. To image him and to walk with him. And to get to that place, to get back to that original call for humanity, to walk with God and to image him to the world, we need a bit of changing. I can speak confidently for myself and probably, if I'm honest, I can speak confidently for you as well. We need some changing, don't we? David says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. You see, our relationship with Jesus is not just to call him Lord and Savior, but also to call him teacher. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. In the time that Jesus was walking the earth, it was very common for rabbis or teachers to have disciples. And here we are, 2,000 years later, we're still using that term of discipleship. And like I said, this tent and table and temple series is all about us looking at what's the shape to our discipleship. Now, disciples in Jesus' time, they would have requested to be taken on by a rabbi. And if they were accepted, they would have been engaging in a relationship that was designed literally to shape them, to mold them as a person. And the closeness of that relationship, the proximity with the rabbi, would have left the disciple's life completely open to scrutiny. Every word that comes out their mouth, every reaction they have to different situations, the rabbi would be watching and able to comment on their character, their behavior, their thinking. A disciple would agree to literally give themselves over to the teaching of the rabbi. Rabbis would be reading from the scriptures, trying to interpret the scriptures, and the disciple would be taking on what the rabbi was teaching about the scriptures. And so by like the legacy of the interpretation of scripture would go on through the disciples and schools of thought. And these disciples, they would, in groups, they would chew through the scriptures. It wouldn't have been a polite Bible reading where you just do kind of your daily word in private every day and then get on with the rest of your day. No, it was engaging in robust discussion and discourse about the scriptures. What does it mean? The rabbi shares something, the disciples gather together. What does this mean? So I wanted to bring it today. We're thinking about scripture today. Everyone say scripture. Who's got a paper Bible with them today? 
If you do, you can get it out. If you've got it on your phones, you can get out your Bible app. I think the distinction between you should have a paper Bible and you, you know, a, a, a digital Bible, I think that argument is a bit silly because the Bible's really meant to be heard, right? It's meant to be read out loud. That's the place where it really comes alive. So we're going to be thinking about the scriptures this morning. I want to make it a little interactive. So at the risk of causing great chaos, I'd love for you to turn to your neighbor and I'd like you to let them know What's your favorite, like, fridge magnet verse? You know, the classic that just reels off the tongue, you know it, you live it, you breathe it, and you'd want it on your fridge. Go, tell your neighbor, what's your favorite fridge magnet verse? Okay, back with me now, back with me. You can carry on talking about your favorite passages after the meeting today. Okay, I've got another question for you. If you are comfortable sharing this, I would like you to give them one word that would describe your relationship with Scripture. So what's one word that would describe your current relationship with Scripture? If you're not sure how to answer... Just say, I, I don't know, but I want you to be brave. Be brave now and just share. What's your relationship like with Scripture? One word. Clearly, most people can't count because that is more than one word going on, but um, good. Very good. Okay, wonderful. I've got two simple points today. The first is this, that the Bible, these scriptures are meant to shape us. They are literally meant to form us and shape us. Do you remember Jonathan read from Psalm 1 at the beginning of the series? I want to read it again, the first three verses, Psalm 1. It might pop up on the screen as well. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. One more time. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This scripture, this Psalm 1, has real echoes to Joshua 1. It's kind of like the prototype of a follower of Yahweh. 
What does it mean for man to walk with God? And here in Psalm 1, we've got such a beautiful key. It's those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on it day and night. The word is designed to shape us. I'm struck by how difficult it is for us to maintain a biblical worldview in a society that really wants to move in a very direct, a different direction to the ways of God. Our culture is really opposed to the narrative of the gospel. And whilst I believe that there are hearts that are ripe, ready to meet with Jesus, there is a spirit in this age that says, you don't need a savior, you're enough. I'm enough, I'm good. Don't tell me how to think. And truth will be determined by what I make it to be. And if we're not grounded in the word, we really risk our belief system being captured and swept up into the world's system of thinking. And church, we really can't afford that. It's not just that we might become too liberal but we might become too conservative and religious, or we might just become completely dull to the word of God. But those who ground themselves in the word of God carry a desire to let it shape them. We've all heard that expression grounded in the word, and I think it's a beautiful analogy, but we have to think of it like for what it really means. To be grounded in scripture means that we are like a plant that grows within the context of scripture. If we're grounded in the word, it literally means that the the word is the soil upon which we absolutely rely for water and for nutrients all the things that will make us healthy and grow up nice and strong. As we look at this collection of writings, our goal is not to achieve some kind of like cerebral understanding of the scriptures. Please hear me. I think that we, we really should be digging into it. There's so much to find in it. There is stuff in here that will make, um, you know, if you're a thinker, this this collection of books will make our minds delighted by its treasures for a thousand lifetimes. But rather than the goal to be a cerebral understanding, the goal as we read these God-breathed texts is that the Bible would read us, that the scripture would be reading us. As we read through the Bible, we know that the Spirit of God is reading us challenging us and conforming us to the character of Christ. We all know what Paul says in Romans 12, that we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And he says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Our mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That song we were singing this morning, I love that song. The Alabaster Heart song, all my love, all my heart, you can have it all. But it's a very challenging song because it makes promises that are easy when the band is playing so beautifully. But when you're trying to roll out of bed on a Monday morning, it's like, oh, gosh. 
why is there a child in my bed again? I don't want to get up. All my heart, all my soul, all I own, you can have it all. Or when someone is really annoying us and we just want to react in a very reasonable way and just tell them what's going on. All I have, all I own, my whole heart, you can have it all. It's not, it's not in, it's not just in the place of encounter that we're transformed, but it's, it's the reflection on the encounter. It says we chew it through with God, that he is literally changing our thinking, changing our actions. And David says this in Psalm 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Scripture is designed to shape us. It's designed to fill us, church. To fill us. So that when we are squeezed, what is coming out of us? You'll be relieved to know. I'll tell you what the orange is for. If I were to take this orange, if I were to squeeze it with an inch of its life, and make an incision, what would come out of here? Yum, delicious orange juice. The reason the orange juice would come out of this orange is because it's an orange. If there's anything you take away from this message today, let it be that. What's inside of us? When we're squeezed, what's coming out of us? If I expected apple juice to come out of this when I squeezed with all my might, I would be a fool. What is inside of us? What have we hidden in our hearts so that we would not sin against the Lord? Scripture is designed to be the soil that builds us, literally grows us. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's a a beautiful prayer in Deuteronomy. Will and I were talking about it because I thought it'd be cool to read it out in Hebrew, but time and lack of understanding negate that. But in Deuteronomy 6, the word says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. And these commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. There's this beautiful understanding that God gave the Israelites that the scriptures, the law in that case, the Torah, the first five books, it was meant to be on their hearts, impressed upon their children, talked about not just on a Sunday, but when they're walking along the road together, not just in their quiet time in the morning, but when they wake up and when they go to sleep. 
chewing over the scriptures. God gives the Israelites the commandments because he intends his word to be in them, shaping them, forming them, and informing their daily walk. And that's just what he wants for us. The word to be in us, shaping us, forming us, actively speaking to us. Actively speaking to us. And my second point is this, that the Bible is meant to speak to us. It's meant to speak to us. The New Testament uses two words when it talks about the word. We've got logos and we've got rhema. If I talk very broadly about it, logos, we would say, is the inspired word of God. We would call this logos, God's word to us. And we also have Jesus, who's the living logos. In John 1, we get this really wild and crazy thing. If you uh, love philosophy, then dig into John 1 and you'll go down a world of uh, wonders. It's the inspired word of God. It's the living word, Jesus. And then we've got rhema which means the uttered word, literally the spoken word. In Matthew 4, Jesus said, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every, every word, every rhema that comes from the mouth of God. He's quoting from Deuteronomy there. Church, we're relying on the Holy Spirit to speak to us through Scripture, to daily be speaking to us through Scripture. As we read through this Logos, we are praying that the rhema word of God comes and speaks something fresh to us. You guys still all doing okay? I just got to tell you, like, like slight culture shock because I came from North America where people are very vocal. So it's cool. I know we're all English here maybe, in, uh, but just want to check that you're all okay. You're okay. Thanks, Janet. It's meant to be in us to shape us. And it's meant to be actively speaking to us. I want to be really careful how I say this next bit. We have an understanding that God speaks through his written word, Logos, and his spoken word, Rhema. And he speaks to all of us. And I know that many of us hear God speaking to us directly through prayer, through journaling, through meditation, through a variety of ways we hear the voice of God. Do we have anyone that loves hearing the voice of God here this morning? Good, beautiful. I just want to offer this caution for us, a delightful caution, that we need to be careful that we are keeping this law written in our hearts as we let the Lord speak to us. And that we have kind of an understanding of what's my maturity in Logos and be ready to keep that kind of in proportion to our expectation of how God will speak through the rhema. Because every rhema word is meant to line up with logos, yeah? And so we want to be pursuing God. I mean, this is a beautiful thing about, uh, this is a beautiful thing about our communities. We, we know that the God speaks today. We believe it. We know it. We experience it. I'm going to share a word at the end uh, that someone gave during worship. But we also want to make sure that we are grounded in the word. We're trusting God to speak. Yes, he's a good father, so I know he speaks to us. And I don't want us to back, up, back off from just listening through journaling and prayer. 
But if we have no standard, no measure, no plumb line by which to weigh what we feel like God is saying to us, we have no way of growing in accuracy. If we all see in part, we hear in part. So that's why we have the word given to us, so that we can etch it on our hearts. And as he speaks his rhema, it comes alive to us, so that we can hear the Spirit speaking. Uh, Alice and I are waiting to complete on a house. Uh, it's a bit of a doer-upper, as they say. Um, I hope we don't have to do any wall building in it. But if we do, I'll have a spirit level, right? And as I'm building the wall, I might look at the wall and think, it's looking very good, if I do say so myself. But if I put a spirit level on it, and the spirit level tells me I'm off, who should I trust? Let me tell you, I'm a, I'm a gut kind of guy. I love making gut decisions. Should I go with my gut on the straightness of the wall? No, I shouldn't. I should trust the, the measure that I've got. In the same way, we want to put this word into our hearts that we have a measure by which to understand and discern the will of God. If we're disciples of Jesus, my challenge today is this church, that this collection of writings is meant to be central to our lives. If it's not, there's a few reasons. Maybe we don't think it's important. And I can gladly tell you that that's not true. <laughs> it's meant to be central to our lives. Maybe we don't feel like we're ready to be that serious about it. And if that's so, I would, pray, I would just say, pray. Ask the Lord for the grace to go for it. Maybe we want to love it, but it's hard to love. Now, that one might resonate with a lot of us. It is, after all, from 2,000 years ago, at the earliest, it's a difficult book to try and cross cultural gaps in. We need tools in which to understand it. Or maybe we've struggled for years reading it out of obligation and not feeling alive. There are many challenges. But church, I, I want to just implore us this morning that this is the way that God has chosen to communicate with us. And it is a gift. It is a gift. And last week there was a word about shame, God breaking off shame. Uh, I think it was Raph that was given that word when she was emceeing. And as I was preparing for this week, I felt like the Lord wanted to break off shame for anyone that felt like, I know I should have a relationship with this book, but at the moment it feels distant. As you were sharing your one word with each other earlier on, I wonder whether it was a word of life and excitement. Oh, it's speaking to me. It's alive. Or I wonder if maybe it was actually, it feels like a challenge. Well, wherever we are, if we know we've got to grow in it, there is really good news. It is super, super easy. You just start. You just start. A verse a day to meditate on. A chapter. Three chapters. If you're feeling like, oh, I want more time, then just, just go for it. But I want you to see this smile on my face this morning because it's, this is a gift.
This is a gift. It's a gift to us from our Heavenly Father in order that we might grow into His likeness, be shaped and formed by Him, that it would be His voice speaking to us. Amen. We're going to take communion together. Um, just before we do, I uh, just want to share, there was a prophetic word this morning about three pools across the front here. Um, one was for hope. One was for physical healing. One was for emotional healing. And so if you are in need of hope or physical healing, or emotional healing, I want to encourage you to come down with your communion cups in a minute and stand in these places. We've got some uh, people ready to pray with you. Uh, if you uh, are trained in prayer ministry, if you could come up and be praying uh, with these people. Let's say it like this. It's going to be uh, hope over there, emotional healing here, physical healing here. If you want to do that, then, then please do come forward. There was also a word of knowledge about um, someone who'd had a long-term restriction in their breathing. So if that's you, please do make yourself known uh, at the end and get, and get prayer for that. Uh, but can I invite you, let's take our cups um, together. Uh, hopefully you all got one as you came in. Give me a wave if you've got your cup with you. Good. All right. That's, that's great. Um, I'm going to invite just the worship team just to play some gentle music here. And why don't we stand together I'm going to pray over us and then release us to gathering groups and start taking communion together. But why don't we just hold out our hands. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the gift of your word spoken to us. And Jesus, we say that we want to be crafted and molded into your likeness. We want to be apprentices to you, Jesus. We want to follow in your ways. And we know that Scripture is one of those ways that you have laid out for us to follow. And so, Father, we're asking for ourselves that you would put a hunger for your word in our hearts. That you would put a hunger for your word in our minds. And, Father, I'm also asking, wherever we're at in our journey with Scripture, God, that you would... Uh, breathe on our wills and we would have that steely determination just to go back again and again and again that there would be a daily rhythm of going to you in scripture because God we are hungry to look like you hungry to hear from you hungry to look like you and hungry to hear from you There's not a day that goes by in my Bible reading where something in it doesn't deeply challenge the behavior of the past 24 hours. God, come and speak to us. We're hungry for you.